0: Chapter 41 of The House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefano. Chapter 41 in which the Rector comes home, and Lily speaks her mind, and time glides on and aunt rebecca calls at the elms next morning punctual at the early breakfast hour of those days the cheery voice of the old rector was heard at the garden rails that fronted the house and out ran tom clinton from the stable-yard and bid his reverence with homely phrase and with a pleasant grin welcome home and held his bridle and stirrup while the parson with a kind smile and half a dozen inquiries and the air of a man who having made a long journey and a distant sojourn expands on beholding old faces and the sights of home again he had been away to be sure only one night and a part of a day but his heart clave to his home and his darling and lilius ran to the garden gate to meet him with her old smile and greeting. It seemed fonder and more tender than ever. And then they kissed and hugged and kissed again, and he patted her cheek, and thought she looked a little pale, but would not say anything just then that was not altogether cheerful. And so they stepped up the two or three yards of gravel walk, she at his right side, with her right hand in his and her left clinging by his arm and nestling close by his side and leading him up to the house like a beloved captive and so at breakfast he narrated all his adventures and told who were at the dinner party and described two fine ladies' dresses for the doctor had skill in millinery though it was as little known as don quixote's talent for making bird cages and toothpicks confided as we remember in one of his conversations with honest sancho under the cork trees he told her his whole innocent little budget of gossip in his own simple pleasant way and his little lily sat looking at her beloved old man and smiling but saying little and her eyes often filling with tears and he looked when he chanced to see it wistfully and sadly for an instant but he made no remark. And some time after, as she happened to pass the study door, he called her, Little Lily, come here. And in she came, and there was the doctor, all alone and erect before his bookshelves, plucking down a volume here and putting up one there. And shut the door, Little Lily, said he gently and cheerily, going on with his work. I had a letter yesterday evening, my darling, from Captain Devereux, and he tells me that he's very much attached to you, and I don't wonder at his being in love with little Lily. He could not help it, and he laughed fondly, and was taking down a volume that rather stuck in its place, so he could not turn to look at her, for the truth was, he supposed she was blushing and could not bear to add to her confusion and he though he continued his homely work and clapped the sides of his books together and blew on their tops and went so simply and plainly to the point was flushed and very nervous himself for though he thought of her marriage at some time or another as a thing that was to be still it had seemed a long way off and now now it was come and little lily was actually going to be married going away and her place would know her no more and her greeting and her music would be missed in the evening and the garden lonely and the elms dark without lily and he wants to marry my little lily if she'll have him and what does my darling wish me to say to him and he spoke very cheerily my darling you're my darling and your little lily will never never leave you she'll stay and here the little speech stopped for she was crying with her arms about his neck and the old man cried too and smiled over her and patted her gracious head with a little trembling laugh and said god bless you my treasure well little lily will you have him He said after a little pause no my darling no she answered still crying you won't have him no no never well little lily i won't answer his letter today there's no hurry you know and if you are of the same mind tomorrow you can just say you wish me to write change i can't my answer will always be the same always the same and she kissed him again and went toward the door but she turned back drying her eyes with a smile and said no your little lily will stay with her darling old man and be a pleasant old maid like aunt becky and i'll play and sing your favorite airs and sally and i will keep the house and we'll be happier in the elms i'm determined than ever we were and won't you call me darling when you're going out so little lily ran away and upstairs and as she left the study and its beloved tenant at every step the air seemed to darken round her and her heart to sink and she turned the key in her door and threw herself on the bed and with her face to the pillow cried as if her heart would break. So the summer had mellowed into autumn and the fall of the leaf, and Devereux did not return, and it was alleged in the club on good authority that he was appointed on the staff of the commander of the forces, and Puddock had a letter from him dated in England, with little or no news in it, and Dr. Walsingham had a long epistle from Malaga, From honest dan loftus full of spanish matter for irish history and stating with many regrets that his honorable pupil had taken ill of a fever and this bit of news speedily took wind and was discussed with a good deal of interest and some fun at the club and the odds were freely given and taken upon the event the politics of belmont were still pretty much in the old position the general had not yet returned and aunt rebecca and gertrude fought pitched battles as heretofore on the subject of dangerfield that gentleman had carried so many points in his life by simply waiting that he was nothing daunted by the obstacles which the caprice of the young lady presented to the immediate accomplishment of his plans and those which he once deliberately formed were never abandoned for trifles so when aunt becky and miss gertrude at length agreed on an armistice the conditions being that the question of mr dangerfield's bliss or misery was to stand over for judgment until the general's return which could not now be deferred more than two or three weeks the amorous swain on being apprised of the terms by aunt rebecca acquiesced with alacrity in a handsome neat and gallant little speech and kissed aunt rebecca's slender and jewelled hand with a low bow and a grim smile all which she received very graciously of course dangerfield knew pretty well how matters stood he was not a man to live in a dream facts were his daily bread he knew to a month how old he was and pretty exactly how time had dealt with his personal charms he had a very exact and cynical appreciation of the terms on which miss chatsworth would if at all become and continue to be his wife but he wanted her she suited him exactly and all he needed to make his kingdom sure when he had obtained her was his legal rights he was no petruchio neither was it his theory to rule by love he had a different way without bluster and without wheedling. He had the art of making those who were under his rule perfectly submissive. Sooner or later, they all came to fear him as a child does a specter. He had no misgivings about the peace of his household. In the meantime, Gertrude grew happier and more like herself, and Aunt Rebecca had her own theories about the real state of that young lady's affections. And her generally unsuspected relations with others. Aunt Rebecca called at the Elms to see Lilius Walsingham and sat down beside her on the sofa. Lily, child, you're not looking yourself. I'll send you some drops. You must positively nurse yourself. I'm almost sorry I did not bring Dr. Toole. Indeed, I'm glad you did not, Aunt Becky. I take excellent care of myself. I have not been out for three whole days and you must not budge darling while this east wind continues do you mind and what do you think my dear i do believe i've discovered the secret reason of gertrude's repugnance to mr dangerfield's most advantageous offer oh indeed said lily becoming interested well i suppose you suspected she had a secret said aunt rebecca i can only say dear aunt becky she has not told it to me now listen to me my dear said aunt becky laying her fan upon lily's arm so sure as you sit there gertrude likes somebody and i think i shall soon know who he is can you conjecture my dear and aunt rebecca paused looking lilyas thought rather pale and with a kind of smile, too. No, said Lilius. No, I really can't. Well, maybe when I tell you, I've reason to think he's one of our officers here. Eh? Can you guess? Said Aunt Becky, holding her fan to her mouth, and looking straight before her. It was now Lily's turn to look pale for a moment, and then to blush so much that her ears tingled and her eyes dropped to the carpet she had time to recover though for aunt becky as i've said was looking straight before her a little pale awaiting the result of lily's resumed ruminations a moment satisfied her it could not be devereux and she was soon quite herself again an officer no aunt becky there certainly is captain clough who always joined your party when you and gertrude go down to hear the band and lieutenant puddock too who does the same but you know well my dear all in good time gertrude's very secret and proud too but i shall know very soon i've ascertained my dear that an officer came under the window the other evening and sang a verse of a french chanson from the meadow in a cloak if you please with a guitar i could name his name my dear do pray tell me said lily whose curiosity was all alive why ah not yet my dear answered aunt becky looking down there are there's a reason but the affair i may tell you began in earnest on the very day on which she refused mr mervyn but i forgot you did not know that either however you'll never mention it and she kissed her cheek calling her my wise little lily and my dear it has been going on so regularly ever since with till very lately so little disguise that i only wonder everybody doesn't see it as plain as i do myself and lily my dear continued aunt rebecca energetically rising from the sofa as some object caught her eye through the glass door in the garden your beautiful roses are all trailing in the mud what on earth is hogan about and there see just at the door a box full of nails i'd nail his ear to the wall if he were mine and aunt rebecca glanced sharply through the glass this way and that the offending gardener who happily did not appear then off went aunt becky to something else and in a little time remembered the famous academy in martin's row and looking at her watch took her leave in a prodigious hurry and followed by dominic in full livery and two dogs left Lilius again to the society of her own sad thoughts end of chapter forty one